0: book of First John, chapter number 2. We begin a blessed adventure this morning. By the grace of God, we are going to study through all the names and titles of our Lord Jesus Christ that are found in the Word of God. And I have no idea how long this will take, but however long it takes, it'll it will be a blessing. It will be enjoyable. So, if you're visiting with us, you're getting right in on the start of this thing. And this morning, we we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, our Advocate. That's a big word. I'm glad I've got somebody to speak on my behalf. I'm glad I've got somebody to take up my case in every circumstance, in every situation. We'll pray together. We'll read the verse. Many passages to look at this morning as we study this matter together. Father, thank you for the joy that's ours of having a Savior to sing about. Thank you for the breath, the lungs, the understanding to sing these songs of praise this morning. And now, as we open your perfect Bible, we pray, Lord, that you would perfectly examine our hearts and show us, God, who we are. Show us who you are. And may we leave here rejoicing in our Savior as never before. In his name we pray. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Period. The Holy Spirit to the children of God in no uncertain terms says, I am very much concerned about how you live. And I do not want you to sin. In fact, I forbid it. We live in a day and age when God is criticized by His own children for being judgmental and mean-spirited and harsh. and, And how dare God say that whatever I want to do is not acceptable. But the Bible, remember the book? Remember God's book? The Bible says, These things write I unto you that ye sin not. Period. Don't do it. God forbids His people to commit sin. Everybody, we okay with that? Amen. Amen. Period. Next sentence. And if any man sin, Now, I, I so appreciate the Lord's honesty. I so appreciate the Lord's realism. He didn't say, but if any man sinned. Had he said, "But if any man sin, there might have been some opportunity to think that I could keep his command to not sin." Well, he said, "Don't sin." But if you do, well, "But" would allow some people an opportunity to think that maybe somebody somewhere didn't sin. But he said, My little children, these things I write unto you you that you sin not, and if any man sin. So as much as it displeases the Lord, and as much as it should displease us, it is a foregone conclusion, God's little children are going to sin. We're not proud of that, we're not happy about that. It's not an excuse, it's not an alibi, but the fact of the matter is... There are more commands in this Bible than I am able to keep. There is a higher standard of living that God has set than I am able to attain to. And so the Scripture, the very verse that tells me not to sin, says, And this is my provision for you when you do. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, an advocate is, in our common language, a defense attorney. He is someone who has been appointed by the court to plead my cause in a legal matter or a legal proceeding. I am represented not before my fellow man. Often, often, when I sin, or when I am supposed to have sinned, or when I am accused of having sinned, I have no defense whatsoever in the presence of man. Think about that. God has not promised, I will defend you from everything your neighbors say. I will defend you from everything your coworkers say. I will defend you from everything people you went to church with say. We have an advocate not on the job. We have an advocate not in the school. We have an advocate not in the neighborhood. We have an advocate with the Father. In the presence of God where things matter. In the presence of God where it counts... We have someone who speaks on our behalf and someone who defends us, not when we're innocent, but when we have sinned. The one who defends us, what a blessing, is not (coughs) Paul the struggling, is not Peter the wavering. Come on. Is not John the, I'll never forsake you, but I'm not there at the cross. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but there is one who is righteous. There is one who does always those things that please the Father. There is one who has always spoken truth and only truth. And that righteous one has been appointed by the court to be my defense attorney and your defense attorney. Hallelujah. We are defended by, we are represented in the presence of God by Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise the Lord. Now, turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 12. What do I need that for? Well, let's take a look. Revelation chapter 12. And verse number. Let's start at verse... 10. Revelation 12, verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, and this is this is in the future. This is almost to the end of the great tribulation time. This is not today. This is some tomorrow. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser Of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now, if that is future, and in the future there is a day when there is rejoicing because the one who day and night accused the brethren before God is cast down, then guess what's going on now? Satan in the presence of God, is accusing the brethren. How about that? Now listen, the devil, as, as, just as God is love, the devil is hate. Jesus said, I am the life. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said, I am the truth. Satan abode not in the truth. Look, on this, on this earth, there is a piece of land in the Middle East one piece of land that has no oil one piece of land that's it's just a bunch of rocks why would all the nations of the world want to wage war over that piece of land because god chose it that's why god picks it so the devil hates it that's why there are there are more, there there are billions of chinese in the world there are millions of Japanese in the world. There are millions of Peruvians and Argentines in the world. There are just, but they're just, they're just a few thousand Jews. So, what's the deal with all these countries wanting to slaughter the Jews? What exactly have they done? God chose them, so the devil hates them. That's it. There's no other reason, there's no explanation. So, when you got saved through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, why, out of all the 500 people on your job with all their different opinions and all their different philosophies and all their different approaches to life, how come when you speak up, they unanimously say, Shut up! They don't say that when somebody speaks up about a different football team. They don't say that when somebody speaks up about a different uh, restaurant. They don't say that when somebody speaks up about a favorite singer or a favorite movie or a favorite... But when somebody speaks up about Jesus, why this universal animosity toward that one voice and that one view among people with coexist stickers on their cars? Because whatever God loves, the devil hates. It's not you, it's God. Okay, so listen. What what Satan wants to do is run into the presence of God every time you sin and say, you can't possibly take that soul to heaven. Look what he did. You can't possibly keep that one in your holy family. Look what she did. And the minute Satan Make such an accusation. You don't have to call. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to hire a defense attorney. There is one standing at the Father's right hand on your behalf, round the clock, every single day, just waiting for you to sin, just waiting for the accuser to say something against you so that he can stand in your defense. We have an advocate with the Father. Now, what advantage is it that he's Jesus Christ the righteous? Wouldn't he side against me when I sin? Wouldn't he take the devil's side when I've done wrong? Wait a minute. Standing in the presence of God is someone who in his own body on the cross has already made full payment for the sin I just committed. Come on now. Before Jesus went to the cross, all of my sins were 2,000 years in the future. When he went to the cross, he died for them all. And so when Satan accuses me and says, God, you have to destroy him because he did that, Jesus Christ stands and said, Father, we had an agreement. If I would pay for that sin in advance, if that one would trust me as his Savior, we agreed there would be no future penalty for that soul, that all of those sins would be pardoned and that he would stand before you justified. Did we not make that and he holds up a nail-pierced hand, did we not make that agreement? And the father turns to Satan and says, you have no case here, that has already been settled. Before I have time to confess it, before i have time to ask for forgiveness before i have time to say god i'm sorry sometimes years before i know that what i did was even wrong jesus is standing in the presence of the father defending my soul against the accusations of the devil hallelujah if any man sin have you we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous. Look in John chapter number 8. It's not just the devil. John chapter number 8. Sometimes it's people. And sometimes with good reason. John chapter number 8. The Bible says. In verse number 10. Three, The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him, that's Jesus, a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him. They might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, lost people love that verse. They don't want to read in its context. They just say something like, Who are you to cast stones? Or let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Listen, here's the problem. The law that these men knew. The law said, if you catch a man and a woman in the very act of adultery, you are to stone them both. Let me ask you something. If they caught the woman in the act, didn't they also catch the man? Where's the man? So they're asking Jesus to violate... His righteous law. That's what they're asking Him to do. And Jesus says to them, I am not going to violate my righteousness to satisfy your lust for blood. See that? He didn't say the woman didn't sin. I'll show you that in a minute. He just said, I can't have her stoned, then I would be as guilty as you guys are. Now watch. John chapter 8, go on. Verse 8 again, He stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even on the last, and Jesus left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted up Himself and saw none but the woman, He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. First John 2, 1 John 2.1, My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. He told that woman, Now don't sin anymore. Why didn't He put her to death? Because He's righteous. He defended her against an unrighteous accusation. Even though she was a sinner, He counts His holy word of greater importance than her sin, your sin, my sin. Everybody see that? Adultery is a horrible thing to do. So is what I've done this week. What'd you do? So is what you've done this week. Come on, they came to Jesus and said, what's the great commandment? And He didn't say, thou shall not commit adultery. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and all thy mind. You haven't done that. I haven't done that. He said, In the seconds like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You haven't done that. I haven't done that. Come on now. Well, I've never committed adultery. Yeah, but you never loved your neighbors yourself. What are you saying? I'm saying that every one of us right now stands before God a sinner. But God sent His Son to pay for that sin on the cross. And while He does not deny that we are sinning, and while He is pleading with us and commanding us to sin no more, at the very same time, He is righteously defending us against all accusers because He paid the penalty for that sin. Hallelujah. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I don't know I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I know I'm going to heaven because someone paid for everything that would keep me out. And reminds the court that that payment has been made. Well, you want to stone that guy and put him to death for doing that. And Jesus stands with a nail-torn hand says, Father, there's no double jeopardy in this court. We've already tried that case. You found him guilty and you punished me in his place. I died so he could live. He must go free. And we, listen, we weren't only saved, we continue to be saved because of the merits of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter number four. It's not just the devil it's not just men that accuse us. He said, how dare you accuse me? Well, yeah, but most of it's true. We get all upset when people judge us or find fault with us or say we did something. Well, we might have done, not done what they said, but we've done something. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. We like, we like these two verses because they, they help us prove how great the Bible is. But in, our, in their context, I want you to watch carefully. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Okay, now stop for a minute. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it great to have a Bible that's powerful? Isn't it great to have a Bible that's quick and living and and discern? Isn't isn't that wonderful? And yet, when I read the Bible, when you read the Bible, come on, if you read the Bible honestly, you know what it does? It discerns your thought life. It examines the intents of your heart. The, the devil might not even know what's in your heart. The people around you are, who are accusing you of all kinds of stuff, they don't know what's in your heart. But this book does. That's why people don't read it. That's why people don't go to a church where it's preached. They want a church where somebody reads half a verse for their text and then gives them a little pep talk. They don't want to read that Bible, because that Bible will pick you apart. Okay, now, now, let me show you what I mean. You say, how could Jesus let that woman take an adultery? How could he let her go? Right? I'd never do that. But the Bible says, Jesus, this Jesus, he said, It is written, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, Whosoever looks on a woman with lust in his heart hath committed adultery already. Well, that just changed the whole ballgame, didn't it? Because now the Lord said, the devil can't say you did it, and your neighbors can't say you did it, But the Bible says, but you wanted to. The Bible says, but you thought about it. Now, now listen. What accuser should you fear the most? Satan? Somebody who left the church and is mad at you? Or the Bible? That Bible doesn't just know what you did. It knows what you would have done. The Bible doesn't just know. Hey, come on. And, and, and Jesus said, he didn't just say, if you lust after, you commit adultery. He said, you commit adultery with her already in your heart. So, I mean, present coming excluded. But when these gals get dress and go out in public to be lusted after, Lord said, you're an adulteress. You drew that man into an act of adultery well I just don't see it that way I know that's why God gave you the Bible so you can see how he sees it Okay, how about this God said thou should not bear false witness against thy neighbor we come into church we're in a bad mood we've got got a crummy attitude we hadn't prayed we don't have a heart right and and brother Sam's standing out there he says good to see you brother and we say yeah good to see you too no it's not Glad to see you. You're not glad to see Sam. He's all happy and smiling, and you don't want anybody to be happy and smiling because you want everybody to feel as crummy as you do right now. But what do we do? We lie. We're being socially acceptable. We're being polite. We're being part of the group. But the Bible looks in our heart and says, You didn't mean that. How you doing, brother? Been praying for you. When? Three years ago? Come on. It is so much a part of our everyday life to be dishonest, to be self-centered, to be less than forthcoming. Come on. All I'm saying is, if God just wanted to open the Bible, there's no devil, there's no accusers, just the Bible, and compare my life. My thoughts, my deeds, my intentions, my thoughts to what he expects of me in the Bible. I'm doomed. But before he can reach over and grab one of those thunderbolts and hurl it down my way, his son says, now Father, you poured out your wrath against that already. I suffered naked and bruised and beaten in the darkness of Calvary. You forsook me when I bear that sin in my body on the cross. You can't punish it again. You already punished it. I don't want to sin. I really don't. I can't stop it. I thought when I was a young Christian, I mean, I I did. I went through the New Testament and I made a list of every sin I could find in there. And I was going to cross them all off once I quit committing them. And I still got that list. It's just as long as it was 35 years ago. I thought I'd get better. I'm not getting any better. I thought it'd get easier. It's not getting any easier. I thought I'd be more holy. I've just learned how to behave more holy. I've learned how to say no to the flesh, but the flesh hasn't changed its demands. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Hallelujah. Turn to the book of Job, the oldest piece of literature on the face of the earth. Job chapter 16 This poor guy is sitting out in an ash heap. And his friends are coming around saying, Man, you must have really messed up for God to do this to you. And Job says, I must have, but I don't know what I did. And he says in verse 20, Job 16, 20, My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Here's what he said. If you were arrested last night and you were charged with, I don't know, just pick a crime, doesn't matter. They would read you your rights those rights would be more extensive than the person that you just committed a crime against in many cases. And they would say, you have a right to remain silent. Anything you say can would be used against you in a court of law. I don't know this because I've been arrested so many times. I just, I just, I know most of it. But it says, you have a right to an attorney. You have a right to an advocate. See? If you cannot afford one, One will be appointed for you. You know where your country got that? They got that from the New Testament. You can't defend yourself before God. And you couldn't buy Jesus' representation. But if you'll ask, if you'll ask Him just one time to be your Savior... He will sign on to be your defense attorney and to advocate your cause, to plead with you and for you as a man would plead for his neighbor every single time charges are brought against you. You're not a blessing. Now, if you were if you were super rich, you were super rich, you wouldn't call Jake and say, "I need you." What do you charge? If you were super rich, you'd have him on retainer. You'd just pay him all the time for nothing, just in, so in case you ever needed him, he would drop whatever he was doing and take care of you. Okay? He doesn't have a lot of those clients. That's why you still got that van out there. But, but if you. If you <laughs> but but you, you could have, if you wanted to, you could have Jake on retainer. He said, Well, what do you plan on getting into? He wouldn't. He'd just say, Okay, whatever you do, I'll be there. This is my fee. But Jesus, listen this. He said, No charge. No charge. If you have trusted me as your Savior, I I am your defense attorney. You have retained my services for as long as you live. I will be there anytime you need me. I'll drop everything I'm doing to defend you. How about that? Job said, I wish I had somebody like that. I do. Are you saved? You do. Isn't that a blessing? It's incredible. Now look at Job chapter number 9. He says, well, I don't need that. I'll just... Well, let's see. Job chapter number 9. Job thought about just going to God on his own. Every now and then somebody gets this big idea to say they get arrested and charged for something. They'll say, well, I'm going to defend myself. You can't defend yourself. Well, I'm going to study the laws and it. yeah, yeah, just... just that prosecuting attorney is going to lip, lick his chops when he sees you over there without a defense. Now look at this. Job chapter 9, verse 1. And then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he, this God, will contend with him a man, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. Look, if, if God said, okay, uh, who's, your, who's your defense attorney? Uh, nobody, I'm going to speak uh, for myself. You have no representation. No, no, I, I can handle you. Bring it on. Come to Job 38. Job chapter 38. Verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Counsel, you know what that is? Uh, Does counsel, is counsel ready to speak for the defense? (laughs) He said, Okay, Job, you want to be your own counsel? Here we go. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who hath laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars signed together, and the sons of God shouted for joy? Okay, Job, here's my first question. How'd I make all this? Oh, I don't know. Well, then shouldn't you get a defense attorney? That's the first question. I got four more chapters, Job i got a whole list of questions here, and they don't get any easier. Are you sure you don't want some help? Look, you can say you don't need God. You can say you don't need Jesus. But one day, you're going to stand face to face with the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and you will not be able to give an account for yourself. You're going to need some help. Amen. I've got a lawyer. I've got an advocate. And he doesn't deny that I'm guilty. But he paid the penalty for my guilt. He doesn't get me off. He suffered on my behalf. So that I can go free. It's incredible. Now, look at this in... um, we're going to go, oh, back to Hebrews, I'm sorry, back to Hebrews chapter 4. We should have stayed there earlier. Hebrews chapter 4. Everybody alright? Still early? 11.23. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Now let's read this again. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful sharp and sharpened into a sword, piercing even the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, as it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So, doesn't that leave me in a bad way? does that leave you in a bad way? That word of God discerning your thoughts, your intents, your deeds, all that. 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest... What do I do when the Bible examines me? I run to my great high priest. What do I do when the Scripture searches my thoughts and my intentions? I run to the great high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly... Under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Look at the context. This isn't when I lose my job. This isn't when I get a bad report from the doctor. This isn't when everything's falling apart. When I read the Bible honestly, and the Bible convinces me, I'm no good. What do I do? I run to Jesus. And I find grace and I find mercy to help me. Do what? Not give up on trying to live the Christian life, but to go on trying to live the Christian life knowing that Jesus will keep me by His grace, by His mercy, and by His power. See, I don't despair. I get discouraged when people fall away and go out in the world. I don't despair of that. I get discouraged when you plead with lost people and don't get saved. But I don't despair of that. What I despair of is reading this Bible day after day and preaching this Bible week after week and having to honestly say before God and man, I'm not getting any better. The things I struggled with I still struggle with, and the things that I that, that cause me to stumble still cause me to stumble and and, and that's discouraging. Bring you to a place where you just say, What's the use? And then Jesus will say, I got enough grace for that. I got enough mercy for that. Why don't you just get up and go on? Why don't you just pull yourself together and live for me one more day? Don't quit today. The rapture might be tomorrow. Yes, sir. Just go on, go on, go on. So we come boldly to the throne of grace. Look, that passage isn't about great tribulation. That passage isn't about the world coming to an end. That passage is about the Bible finding out what's going on inside of you. And you running to Jesus and saying, help. And Him helping you one more time. Praise God. You want me to show you a picture of this? Zechariah, it's in the Bible. Zechariah, chapter number three. If you find Matthew, and just back up a little bit, Matthew, you'll pass Malachi and then you'll hit Zechariah, chapter three. And we're not going to get in all the dispensational, rightly divided, all that of Jephaniah three or Zechariah three. But I want to show you the picture. There's a picture in Zechariah 3 of exactly what we're talking about here. Zechariah 3, verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Okay? So, here's the Lord on his throne... Joshua's standing there. Satan's standing there. Satan is there to accuse Joshua, and the angel of the Lord is looking on. Everybody see that? All right, verse number two. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now look, the Lord. Tells the Lord to rebuke Satan. You know what that is? That's what you've been reading about all morning. The father says to the son, Tell him to to hush his mouth. Joshua didn't say a word. He just stood there. Why? What's he going to say to God? What's he going to say to the devil? He just stands there, keeps his mouth shut, and the Lord says to the Lord, You rebuke Satan. He's a brand. I pulled him out of the fire. You tell the devil that. You tell him he's mine. How about that? What, Joshua? He must have been a pretty good guy. Verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. He ain't clean. God's not defending him because he's defensible. He's defending him because he belongs to God. He didn't say, Satan, you can't accuse him. Look how clean he is. He's standing there dirty. He's rebuked because he belongs to the Lord. And because he belongs to the Lord, the Lord will defend him. Look at verse 4. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And he said unto him, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. He didn't say, Joshua, you better clean up, man. He said, since you trusted me, I'll clean you up. How about that? Now, I want to get clean and I scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub and the spots just don't go away. I want to be holy. But I'll be reading my Bible and my mind will wander off somewhere it shouldn't go. I can't get there. But the Lord said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stand you up before me. I'm going to sit that devil down and I'm going to take every speck of dirt that ever touched you and remove it and I'm going to make you as clean as clean can be. I'm going to do that because you trusted me. How about that? We have an advocate. Now, wait, wait, it gets better. Here's this guy standing there with no word to say on his own behalf. He's got dirty garments on. Satan's got something to accuse him of or he wouldn't be there. The Lord takes the dirty garments off, puts the clean clothes on him. Verse 5, And I said, Let them set a fair miter upon his head... So they set a miter upon his head and clothed them with garments. <laughs> the Lord said, I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's go one better. Give him a crown. Don't you know the devil's standing there with his jaw hanging down? How can you put a crown on his head? I got all these charges against him. You haven't heard them yet. And the Lord said, I rebuke you. I pulled him out of the fire. He's mine. I'll clean him up if I want to. I'll put a crown on his head if I want to. He belongs to me and that's how I want to treat him. You get out of here. I'm going to heaven. I didn't deserve it when I got saved and I haven't deserved it for 30 seconds since I got saved. But I have an advocate. And how he defends me. Do you have one? Anybody remember Lamentations? Let's go back there. Lamentations chapter number 3. There are some verses that, that fit earth and don't fit heaven. I mean, think about it. Even so come Lord Jesus. That's a great verse for here. You're not going to be saying that up there. God wipe away all tears from our eyes. That's a beautiful verse here. You don't be saying that up there, right? But here's one in our context this morning. Here's one you'll be saying forever and forever and forever. Lamentations 3, verse 58. O Lord, Thou hast pleaded the causes of... Of my soul, thou hast redeemed my life. (laughs) You know what Jesus is doing right now? Having redeemed my soul, He's redeeming my life. So how does He do that? He pleads for me. He pleads my cause in the presence of God against all accusers. Satan, man, the Scripture itself. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Hallelujah. Our Father...